Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Ewan Lawson. In this episode, we talk to Dr. Emily Donovan, who's an NIHR GP Academic Fellow from the School of Primary Care at the University of Southampton. And the paper that she talks about today is a qualitative one, uh, Domestic Abuse Among Female Doctors. It was a thematic analysis of qualitative interviews in the UK. So I started by asking Emily if she could tell us a little bit more about how she got into this topic. I mean, domestic abuse is a huge problem that affects all women and and some men as well. But um, I was interested in doing this because I'm a member of the Physician Mums Group, which is a UK Facebook group for Dr Mums. And I was just struck by how often there were posts from members writing about abuse that they were experiencing from their partners. And I just was surprised how prevalent it seemed to be. Um, So I did a little bit of research myself just a quick review and found that there really wasn't anything about um, doctors and as victims of domestic abuse. All, all the research was about doctors helping others who were victims of domestic abuse, but didn't mention them themselves. Um, so I just wanted to look into it and see what was happening and how these women coped and how did how how they managed to go to work and what it was like. How being a doctor impacted on that? Yeah, how, how being a doctor. Um, and just was interested in their experiences. So I just posted um, just a message to say, would anyone like to help with this research? And I just, I had so many responses, more than 100 straight away. And then more as the research went on. And after I was talking at conferences for my ACF placement, women would come to me afterwards and say, I'd like to be involved. That's happened to me. So I was just amazed at the, the scope of the problem. Tell us a little bit about what you did for this particular bit of research in terms of the methodology. I recruited some um, single doctor mums from a Facebook group who who replied to my post to say that they were interested to talk to me. And I did telephone interviews uh, for this qualitative research. And I just started with a very open question, just tell me about your experiences. And just the research just went off from there, really. And I just changed the questions as participants gave me more ideas there's um there's some really interesting findings tell it let's get let's let me ask a really open question and you tell us what you found emily we basically split it into three main themes and the first one was it's not something that had happened to doctors so participants felt embarrassed and ashamed that they'd become victims of domestic abuse they felt that as doctors they should have known better and that was a quote that came up a lot i should have known better um they felt that they'd been successful in most aspects of their life. They'd done well at university. They'd graduated in medicine. They'd managed to work hard. They were resilient. They got on with things. But they they couldn't work out how their personal life had ended in such a disaster. And they felt almost responsible for that and reluctant to seek support. Um, Some people said, you know, if I can't look after myself and my children, how are people going to think I can be a doctor? How can I look after other people? Um, And they also felt that they were the only doctor this had happened to. So that made them feel more isolated and made them stigmatise themselves. Also, they felt that when they had seen victims of domestic abuse at work, unhelpful comments might have been made by colleagues. One one, um, of my participants said that a colleague had once said to her, she's such a clever girl. How did that happen to her? And she remembered that thinking, well, it's embarrassing. How did this happen to me? Um, so that led to them feeling quite isolated from their peers. And many of them said they didn't feel like other doctors anymore now that they'd been through this experience. They were single mums. 
financially, they were earning often hardly anything at all. There were a few few of my participants that actually used food banks before. They were in absolute crisis and they felt they had no one to talk to because of their experiences. So, um, but even though they felt surprised that this had happened to doctors, in hindsight, some of them felt that there were perhaps things that had made them more vulnerable to becoming um, a victim of abuse. And they said things, like I said before, the resilience of working really hard, never giving up. So some of them felt that they'd done that in their personal lives as well, even though it was going wrong, even though their partner was abusive. They tried to make it work. They kept going. Um, and they compared that to their medical jobs, the difficult jobs they'd had in hospitals and, and such, where they just kept going despite it being hard work and difficult. Um, some said that they felt they were very empathetic and therefore always gave people a second chance, fought the best of people and therefore um, sort of persevered for longer than the, perhaps they should have done. Yeah. Um, and other people actually felt that the culture at work itself could have made them vulnerable. And this was really interesting. This was mentioned by a few people. Um, one of my participants said, so the culture at work where we don't get thanked and we get quite frankly bullied quite a lot just sets you up to think that's normal at home as well. So some of them felt that poor behaviour they'd had during their medical training and during their mainly their junior jobs had sort of normalised poor behaviour at home. Well, there's lots there, isn't there? I mean, this is a wonderful paper, Emily. I think, you know, from our perspective at the journal, we're delighted to publish this one. We think it's a really rich, powerful um, study, which has got, and we're only going to be able to touch on the surface of it just now talking about it. And as you say, that's just the first theme. And that, that was about, you know, something that shouldn't happen to a doctor. We, there was one of the other themes we'll go on to a little bit in a minute was about the perception of a judgmental medical culture as well, which is quite important. And you started to get into there. But um, one of the other themes I noticed was that that difficulty in disclosing help, uh, particularly for health professionals and your participants weren't just GPs, they were across the whole um uh the the whole spectrum of junior doctors and in other specialities as well weren't they um i um one of the one the things i really noticed was when the ex-partner is a doctor as well that there's some there's a really powerful bit in there that really hits home and actually I, though you haven't called it gaslighting there was that little bit of you know when your ex-partner is a psychiatrist was one of the quotes in particular and then was saying that actually the individual had um various diagnoses as well some there's some real some really powerful stuff in here tell us a little bit more about the um, perception of a judgmental medical culture thing because i think that's really important for us to try to kind of maybe get across as well well it was it was perceived that they couldn't disclose this to their colleagues because they sort of felt they worked in a culture where weaknesses of any kind were not tolerated um, so they felt that it was probably going to be pointless to ask for sick leave that they, or they just couldn't ask for sick leave because there wouldn't be cover. And there's a lot of research already about that presenteeism in, in doctors never taking sick leave when they when they really ought to. Um, and it, even in those doctors who had disclosed it to supervisors that they were struggling, they didn't feel that they were supported. They were told just get on with it um, and then given bad ARCPs for the junior doctors even though they tried to reach out for help. Um, also, people mentioned that their track record had been brilliant and then suddenly their work effort, their work was going down. Um, they weren't performing as well as before, but nobody had asked why, what was happening to them. No one thought to um, think about it. Um, you know, one of my participants had PTSD because of her um, experience. Well, a few of them had PTSD. And I said, you know, did you tell your work? She said, no, of course not. I said, why? And she just said, well, because the medical profession had 
a judgy um what was that how was that going to help her she felt it would just make it more difficult for her at work and things like when when the single mums were um, really struggling it wasn't um, unusual for them to be posted more than an hour away from work even though they'd asked HR could I be a bit closer I've got childcare issues I can't get to that place for eight o'clock the childcare doesn't open until eight could I be closer to home no could I not work Christmas I haven't got any childcare no you know just really unsupportive so this this was made it a lot more difficult for them and that that's why they found this group um, helpful I think because it was the first time they'd found other people who'd who've gone through what they'd gone through. Yeah, no, it's perfect. I, I was just about to ask you, because there's a lot of, obviously, uh, concerning and, you know, worrying kind of features around the domestic violence here in terms of how the professional reacted and how other people and people's experience of it and these women's experience of it. I really wanted to move on to what helped, you know, because I think you did identify some areas where we can make a difference and actually nudge things in the right direction. Um, it's from what you describe in the introduction as extreme stigma. And that's perhaps a little bit of what we are, you know, is going on here. So what, what did you find that actually can make a difference? So doctors found that just very simple things, health professionals that listened to them were empathetic, which who validated them. Um, one lady gave an example of when um, she'd just given birth, she was made to sleep on the floor with her newborn baby. Um, she passed out because she basically hadn't eaten for 48 hours. Um, she was still trying to put the washing on. And the ambulance crew came and said to her partner, you know, you need to look up, look after this woman. And this is awful what you're doing. And that, that helped her because it was, she realized actually this isn't normal. So someone else speaking out and, and, you know, validating them really helps. So it's not just that they're doctors, they know they didn't know. And you, you get so stuck in it of what's normal and what's right. You can't start seeing it. They said, so that was really important. Um, so when they went to a GP and the GP said, this is not normal, this is domestic abuse. That was a light bulb moment for many of them, even though the GP, GP might have thought, well, obviously they know all this. They've done all their domestic abuse training, um, but they needed to hear that. And where health professionals, you know, didn't do that, just sort of brushed it under the carpet or didn't let them continue their story or, or what I call professional courtesy. There was, there was examples where other health professionals would say, you know, do you really want to tell me this? Because it's going to mean I'm going to have to involve social services. Let's just stop kind of thing. That was very unhelpful because it, it prolonged the problems and it meant they didn't get the help. So, as I said, talking to other doctors in this peer support group was really helpful because it made them feel that this does happen. It's not about me. It's not anything I've done. It's the, you know, we should be looking at why men abuse rather than why women are victims of abuse. And um, they felt that was really important, that peer support group, but also about the legal battles, um, just advice, because many of them were found financially having to work part time. Um, they didn't have much money anymore, and where the where the partner was a doctor, that was there was lots. One third of mine were, but that was just by chance. But many on the the um, forum, their exes were doctors as well, because you know medical marriages are quite common, aren't they? And um, some of the things that are posted on there are just horrific. What these doctors are doing, very violent, and yet the women felt that they couldn't um, report the doctor because they felt that that would make him even nastier um some you know um also they felt that they wouldn't be believed these doctors are privileged men they hold status in society um you know that like you said if they're saying she's psychotic and he's a psychiatrist it's, it's difficult 
not to believe that. So they felt they really had nowhere to go with that. Just as a final thing, Emily, maybe if I get you to summarise, maybe not the whole research because there's an awful lot here and I think that might be impossible, but what perhaps you could summarise, what are the main implications for future research and practice and the things you would like to see get done to improve things? So just to remember and talk about the fact that doctors are also going to be victims of domestic abuse as are other any other people of society. And it's not always about the doctor helping others. Doctors also have problems in their lives and they need help. So they need confidential support. They need to know that they can access help where they don't know the, the, the professional in a professional capacity or they're not going to meet other patients, um, their own patients, which, which is why many didn't use domestic abuse um, centres because they felt they couldn't risk seeing patients because they felt they couldn't then be a doctor to someone who'd heard what they'd been through. They didn't feel that was right. So they need confidential support. They need... You know, the the medical culture needs to change. You need to be nicer to each other, just simple things. Um, And talk more to to everybody, to your staff. And, you know, how are they? And if something's going wrong, you need to be able to help and support them, not just support patients. The workforce also needs help. And better domestic abuse education at medical school. Many felt that they hadn't really had any. No, that's incredibly helpful. I I think one of the most powerful things was that requirement for a shift away from that culture of presenteeism as well and that that would be beneficial across you know topics as difficult as and you know and worrying as this um it would help an enormous range of areas too for for doctors who are having difficulties in any aspects emily that's been incredibly helpful thank you so much for taking the time today thank you very much for letting me talk about it Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again.